1: Wow. When Jesus was. He was. We're talking about a happy day. We're talking about a happy day. We're talking. talking We're talking about a happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about a happy day. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Just one more time and say a happy day oh, you know. We're talking about a happy day.
0: happy day he washed my sins away he changed me he made me new he healed my heart he restored my soul what a happy day Today is part two of when will Jesus come? Last night, I had an interesting dream. I walked into my living room and there was a a stack of maybe 40, 45 boxes, just all this way and that way. I looked at them and I said, what is this? And a voice spoke. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I immediately began to sort through all of the boxes looking for a box addressed the kingdom of God. And sure enough, I began to find these boxes of the kingdom of God. Boxes titled righteousness. I set them aside. I said, I'm going to open these boxes first. And I woke up. I've been rejoicing all morning in seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Righteousness. That's what my heart desires most, that he would rend the heavens and come down, that his kingdom would be fully realized upon the face of the earth, that Jesus would come quickly. In the scriptures, there are two great themes that are expressed. The first and most prominent theme is about sin and what God is doing to to provide himself with a righteous people who no longer walk in sin. The second most predominant theme of Scripture is the return of Jesus Christ, the coming of the Messiah in glory and in power, the culmination of everything on this earth that deals with death, sin, destruction, hell. These are the two great themes of Scripture. Everything else fits in around these two great themes. Isaiah 64 expresses the cry of my heart, and you're listening now to, to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for joining me today. I pray that this will be a helpful broadcast, putting your feet on the right track toward heaven and encouraging you to look with great anticipation to the coming of Jesus. There's no other event in the history of the world that will even begin to compare To the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in the clouds of glory. Psalm 60, Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs abraze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard and no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to help those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We're we're shriveled up like a leaf, like the wind. Our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and make us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father we are the clay you are the potter we are all the work of your hand do not be angry beyond measure O lord do not remember our sins forever look upon us we pray for we are all your people Your sacred cities have become a desert. Even Zion is a desert. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and glorious temple where our fathers praised you has been burned with fire. And all that we treasured lies in ruins. After all of this, O Lord, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent and punish us beyond measure? Isaiah 64. Isaiah describes the condition of the modern American church. We have continued to sin against God and claimed that it was our right to sin and that we were saved in spite of our sin. But the question to ask is, How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who's unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We're shriveled up like a leaf. That's the spiritual condition of America today. We are an apostate church. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you've hidden your face from us and make us waste away because of our sins. That's the condition of the church. And it's because of that that we cry out, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. We wait for the fire of God to come, the fire of revival. It's because of this hunger in our hearts that we ask the question Lord, when will you come? In your power and in your glory, when will you come? Now, please, I have studied theology. And I have studied the scriptures from the time I was a small child sitting in my father's lap as he opened his big black King James Version Bible and would read aloud to me and talk to me about about Jesus coming again. And then, of course, majoring in theology in college and then going on to graduate school And then the many years since then of reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation more than 50 times. I gave up many years ago counting how many times. It's probably more than a hundred times now from Genesis to Revelation, reading it, reading it daily, devouring it, spending hours in the Word of God. And I want to tell you, I don't mean to offend you, but I want to tell you. It doesn't really matter what you think or what you believe or what I think or what I believe. It only matters what Jesus thinks, and it only matters what Jesus believes, for he is the truth. The scriptures say he is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not the way, I'm not the truth, I'm not the life. Jesus alone is the way. And so we need to search the scriptures and lay aside all preconceived ideas. Now, I've had to deal with every kind of theological heresy and belief. And may I say this to you, every heresy that I have run into, always begins with who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross, his atonement. And the modern lie is that Jesus finished everything at the cross, forgave us for all of our sins at the cross, but that's not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach us that Jesus made a complete atonement at the cross. He made all of the provision for our being cleansed and made righteous at the cross. But now that awesome atoning sacrifice has to be applied to my life and to your life to wash and cleanse and restore and remove sin because Jesus is coming again and only the righteous will enter the kingdom of God. Now to give us a basis for our study, First Thessalonians, I covered yesterday, the 4th chapter, verses 15 through 5, 11, speak about Jesus coming with a loud command, with a trumpet call, with the dead in Christ rising and then the living elect rising. And then again in Second Thessalonians 4, 1 to 13, there is not one word in Thessalonians about a secret rapture. Not one word. Now, the word rapture is not in the Greek, but it's translated from the catching up. In other words, we are going to be caught up to the Lord in the air. But when does that happen? Well, it happens when we hear the loud command of God to come forth when we hear the trumpet call of God, when we see the dead in Christ bursting forth, and then when we, the living elect, rise to meet him in the air. And then again in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one, we find there is a mystery, and the mystery is that we are all changed in a moment, physically, not morally. When does this happen? Again, at the last trumpet. The dead in Christ rise first, and then the living are changed, and they're caught up with the Lord in the air. Now, if you look in Revelation, the sixth chapter, you find the beginning laying out of the seals of God. These seals are in a book that John sees and weeps over because he knows it is the title deed to the earth. And no one is found worthy of opening the seals of this book. Until one of the elders says to John, there is one who is worthy. The lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. And Jesus comes. He takes the title deed to the earth, and he begins to open these seals one after another, and every seal that is opened results in great manifestations happening in the world. Well, the seals are the schematic for the entire book of Revelation. Now, there is or there are seven seals to be opened. And within the seven seals, I'm sorry, within the seven, yes, within the seven seals, we find trumpets blowing. Seven trumpets, seven thunders. We find Well, let's read it. Revelation ten seven. Revelation ten, verse seven. And by the way, just for explanation for understanding, after the schematic is laid out, of the seven seals and then the trumpets begin blowing. From then on, we have no longer a set order. Instead, these are brief vignettes, almost like acts in a play. So you don't try to do exact order in the book of Revelation after the seven seals and the seven trumpets but I want to read Revelation, the 10th chapter. There will be no more delay. This is verse 6. There will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. What is the mystery of God? the mystery of god is when he comes and we are transformed and changed into his likeness we found that i shared with that with you that yesterday in 1 corinthians 15:51 the mystery of god it's when the transformation takes place it's at the second coming of jesus christ now I also want you to look with me, please, at Revelation 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your saints and those who reverence your name, both small and great for the destroying for those destroying and who destroy the earth so it's the seventh it's the seventh trumpet that is marked as the coming of jesus under the seventh seal now i want you to notice and we're not going to go through all of this but if you read Chapters 10 and 11 of Matthew, I'm sorry, of Revelation, you will discover, you will discover that this is at the end of the tribulation. And God's people are here. There is no place in Scripture that teaches a secret rapture. Now, I understand the attractiveness of the teaching of the secret rapture, but it's a false teaching. It's a lie. You are going to be here, and you need to prepare yourself for going through the full tribulation. Now, I want to read for you In the book of Daniel, the 12th chapter, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. At that time, Michael, the great prince, who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone who are the people, Everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. I want you to hear that. Daniel is not referring to his day. He is referring to the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase in knowledge. And that is exactly what is happening. Knowledge is increasing at such a rapid rate. For centuries, there were no computers. Knowledge was not increasing. Life continued as it had for years prior to that. But in this time of the end, knowledge has dramatically increased. Cars are invented. Airplanes are invented. Telephones, telegraphs, computers. Every kind of technological advance but it's also with every kind of of moral depravity. I want to go back to the book of Revelation for just a moment. Revelation 14. Revelation 14. We find three angels coming and proclaiming the everlasting gospel, Now, I don't know what to make of the first part of chapter 14. It describes the 144,000 who have been sealed by God as being with the Lord, of singing the song of the Lamb, but then quickly we go to verse 6, and there, we find the angels, three angels of God, three messengers, not necessarily angelic beings, but very much possible that they could be human beings because the word angel just means messenger. And they are proclaiming the final message to the earth. Then verse 13, then I heard a voice from heaven say, write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. So we're still, we are in the very midst of the tribulation. If you look at the message of the third angel, let me read a portion of it for you. If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand. He too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which will be poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who receive the mark of his name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. These are not the left behind ones. The false prophets and teachers want to talk about. These are the true saints of God who yet remain on the earth doing the work of the gospel. This is, calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. These are not unfaithful Christians. These are faithful Christians. It says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. I looked and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man, with a crown of gold on his head, a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice. Remember, we've talked about that loud voice. To him who sits on the cloud, take your sickle and reap because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. There has been no reaping before this. So he who was seated on the clouds swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar and called out in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, Take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth vine, because its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth and gathered his grapes and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and the blood flowed out from the press. Rising as high as the horses' bridles for a distance of about a hundred and eighty miles. Now, chapter 15. I saw in heaven a great and marvelous sign seven angels with seven last plagues. You see, these are not in order, these are brief vignettes. Now, let's let's be plain. We are coming to a time of reaping. We're coming to a time when when the Lord is going to put forth his sickle. And he's going to reap the earth of the righteous. We find in Joel the second chapter the description of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 3, he begins to speak about the judgment that comes upon the earth. Verse 13, swing the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, trample the grapes, for the winepress is full, and the vats overflow, so great is their wickedness. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The Sun and Moon will be darkened. The stars will no longer shine. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. The Earth and the sky will tremble. but the Lord will be a refuge for His people, a stronghold stronghold for the people of Israel. So at the end of time, God will be a refuge for His holy people. They're not going to be under the wrath of God. They're going to be under the shadowing wing of God. They're going to be protected, but they're going to be present. And look with me quickly at John, John 6, the Gospel of John. Jesus is just speaking saying, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? And Jesus answers, and this is John 6, verses 43. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It doesn't say seven years before the last day. It doesn't say that Jesus is going to raise you up or that Jesus is going to catch you up before the tribulation begins. It says he's going to raise you up on the last day. That is during the seventh trumpet. That's at the end of the time of tribulation. Now we find he says the same thing. Again, verse 53 of John 6, John six fifty-three. I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Again, not seven years before the last day. Over and over in the scriptures, there's plenty of opportunity for the Lord to say, There will be a secret catching up of God's people and then there will be people left behind and they will have a second chance. Can I tell you there is no second chance? This is it. This is the bride of Christ. Look with me at Luke. Luke, the 21st chapter, begins to talk about these issues of of Jesus' coming. Luke 21, I'll begin reading in verse 25. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from fear, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Your redemption is drawing near. Verse 34, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life or the responsibilities of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Well, what is he talking about when he says that you may be able to escape all that it's about to happen? He's talking about the bowls of the vials of the ten last plagues, the judgment of God that's going to be poured out, not the tribulation, but the judgment of God, the ten last plagues. Jesus comes for his people before that. He comes at the seventh trumpet. Now let's go and let's carefully look at something that we looked at yesterday, but we need to look again. And that is Matthew, the 24th chapter. I would also... We're not going to have time today, but I also urge you to go to Matthew 25 and look at the ten virgins. When they are shut out, there is no second chance. Look carefully also at the next parable, the parable of the talents, and it's very clear that what you do will determine how you stand when the Son of Man returns. And there is no second chance. You are either worthy or you're unworthy. Then look at the third parable. When the nations are all gathered before him and he separates the people one from another, he separates the sheep and the goats. This again, verse 41, he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you did not give me anything to eat. I was thirsty, and you did not give me to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Again, there is no second chance. There are no left-behind ones. That's a myth. Now, let's... Look carefully at the 24th chapter of Matthew. This is the fullest explanation of Jesus' coming. If we begin in chapter 24, verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will all of this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming? and of the end of the ages. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are just the beginning of the birth pangs. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted, to be put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people the most evil deception that has come upon the earth in the entire time since the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, the most evil teaching that has come upon the earth that is not found anywhere in the scriptures has been taught by false pastors and false prophets who have said, you cannot leave your sin You're always going to be a sinner until you die. And then you'll be changed, transformed. So death becomes your Savior. That's a lie. It's trampling on the blood of Jesus. It's making the blood of Jesus of no more value than the blood of bulls and goats to declare you righteous as took place in the old covenant. This is new covenant. The blood of Jesus transforms you, changes you, washes you, heals you. If that has not happened in your life, you have been deceived. And then the second part of that great deception is that you're going to be raptured out of here and you don't need to prepare for the tribulation. You're going to get a quick ride out to heaven in the midst of your sin. You're going to be, God loves you unconditionally. you're going to be swooped out of here. It's a lie, you're not going to be. You are going to face this terrible time of tribulation for a very specific purpose. You're going to go through this tribulation in order to purify you and prepare a church without spot or wrinkle a bride for Christ, never in the history of the earth has the enticement to sin been stronger than it is right now with the television, with the internet, with the, with the constant rising up of perversion, even challenging the genders of male and female, challenging the marriage between a man and a woman every kind of wicked perversion, every kind of wicked sin, every entertainment, every every luxury has been provided to tempt us and draw us away from the heart of Jesus. This is particularly true in America, and we have exported our lies to the entire world. That's why America is called Babylon in the scriptures. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And in the Greek, that's not an overpowering event. It is a slow blowing of cold air on the Christian to cool them down, to make them lukewarm. The love of most will grow cold, to chill slowly. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Jesus said it was at the end that he would come. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus said he would redeem his people at the end. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, Daniel speaks of that horrific coming of the Antichrist and calling himself God in the temple built in Jerusalem. Or, if we have mistaken that, and I don't know for certain, because we are the temple of the living God. But I believe it will be an actual physical temple in Jerusalem that the Antichrist will move into and will rule the world for three and a half years. We will be here, my brother and sister. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. That is, when the Antichrist moves into the temple and declares himself to be God, run from Jerusalem. Physically remove yourself. Remove yourself from the cities. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to his cloak. How dreadful it will be on those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. There will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now. You recognize he's talking about what happened when Titus surrounded Jerusalem and then he withdrew his army. And that was the warning, run. So Christians were not killed in the war that Rome had against Jerusalem, burning it, destroying the temple. But it's also about the last day. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says, look, here's the Christ. There he is. Do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. So if anyone tells you there he is out in the desert, do not go out. Here he is in the inner room, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. The heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky. Everyone sees Jesus when he comes. There is no secret coming of Jesus with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. You recognize he's saying the same thing. That Thessalonians said in chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians 4.15, or second Thessalonians 2, or first Corinthians 15, they're all saying the same thing. No one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the end, at the coming of the Son of Man. Well, we're out of time, but let me just sum up the evidence of the Scriptures are very clear. Do not be deceived. It's only been in the last hundred years that this lie has been promulgated through the whole body of Christ, that we're going to be able to walk in our sin, be covered by the blood of Jesus, and we're going to go straight up to heaven without going through the tribulation. Nowhere in scripture is that modeled. If you look at Daniel, He went to the lion's den. If you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they all went to the fire. If you look at David, he spent years running. If you look at Joseph, he spent his time in prison. Always God takes his people through the fire. He's going to take us safely through the tribulation. It will be a short time. The time will even be cut short for the sake of his saints. I've not tried to emotionalize this. I've tried to just lay out the scriptures. I urge you, share these two broadcasts, today and yesterday's, part one and part two. Share it with others. It's time to prepare for the coming of Jesus. It's time to prepare for the great tribulation. It's time to hide away for a while. My brother, my sister, Do not be deceived by smooth-talking preachers. The truth is in the Scripture. Read it for what it says for itself. Let the testimony of Scripture be the determining factor, not your tradition, not what some pastor teaches or some prophet speaks. Let it be the Word of God. If it does not measure up to the Word of God, it's because there's no light in them. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. Also, you could write to me, please, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I hope this has been helpful to you. Tomorrow will be a day of prayer and intercession for the church, for the Apostate Church of America. I love you, my brother and sister. Walk in the truth. Walk in Jesus. Walk in the scripture. I'll talk to you soon. To
1: the only God, our Savior, through Jesus.